0: hello and welcome to a live popped culture with carrie smith and mystery chris
1: howdy howdy
0: hello howdy i want to well you know this i want to let anybody watching know this and hello i see a lot of familiar people in the chat hi uh my laptop died on saturday and this is my husband's laptop and it works very differently than mine and also i could not figure out how to wire the internet so i'm on wireless i apologize We're just fingers crossed that this thing
2: works. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me
0: how it sounds. I can't tell. Um, Everything's different. So we're just going to ride this till the wheels fall off. Uh... (laughs) How are you?
1: (laughs) I'm all right. I've had a much more calmer day than you have. So uh, you had a Mm -hmm. wild day.
0: I know you took some time off. I'm excited for you.
1: Yes. I, I, I took some time off. I've been watching a lot of uh, movies and stuff. I watched the new Beavers and Butthead movie, which is uh, pretty good. I didn't know what to expect. I was like, eh, they still have it. It's been, I don't know how long since they were last on. But it was actually yeah, pretty pretty funny.
0: I saw a clip. I think it's from that new movie or it was to promote it or something. It's about it's where Beavis and Butthead learn about white privilege. Yes.
1: Not <laughs> that that in hilarious. it? Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty funny. Yeah. They, they, they uh, go to a college campus and get told that they have white privilege. And so they think that gives them like superpowers, essentially. They just go around <laughs> committing crimes and like, we got white privilege. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's, it, it's such a necessary thing in comedy right now mm-hmm. to take that, to make that joke, I think. Um, I wonder if that's a trailer online. Could we watch that?
2: Should we or
0: should we not waste time? We probably shouldn't waste time. You guys just go find the Beavis and Butthead trailer <laughs> for the new movie. And like Mystery Chris says, it it's pretty funny. They're they go to college, and their college instructor teaches them about white privilege, and then they run around doing all manner of horrible things like stealing clothes from a store. And stealing a cop car because they they were like we we got white privilege cops don't pull you over remember we're white (laughs) (laughs) it's so good um that's awesome i want to see that one yeah well my day was uh you guys if you pray say a prayer if you don't pray uh do a push-up while thinking of me because the (laughs) the laptop it's only like i don't know it's not even two years old and it's a mac And, uh, apparently they think my motherboard died just randomly, didn't spill anything on it, didn't drop it, nothing happened. It was plugged in one day and then it just turned off and it won't power. And so anyway, long story short, uh, they said... That MacBook in 2017 started doing this thing where they fuse the data drive to the laptop so you can't extract any data if it dies. So it's with some young 23-year-old named Nate. I told Nate I have full confidence in him that he's going to throw a Hail Mary pass and figure out how to get all the data off it because I did not back things up because I needed to learn this lesson. So anyway... Thoughts and prayers, Ken says. Thank you. <laughs> well, the, the
1: biggest question is, will you be buying another Mac or are you switching to Windows?
0: I don't think I want to buy another Mac. At least not one that was made after 2017. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, ser- serves you right for buying a shitty Apple product, says Ken. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, I'm learning. Uh, perhaps your motherboard identifies as a father book, says Therese. That's pretty funny. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. And then, you know, all manner of things. Uh, Ran out of gas. My truck's been in the shop for almost three weeks. The truck that I bought that appears to be a lemon. (laughs) Oh, no. And, and, uh, you know, and then we uh, had the plumbers here today, got an inspection. And then there's, like, some problem with the sewage line. It's all backed up. So my husband's out there with a Roto-Rooter right now being very masculine and trying to fix it himself. So... Uh, a lot of things happening in Shea Garcia. Anyway. Okay, that's it. Nobody cares about that. If it's your first time here, we don't usually talk about our problems. <laughs> it's
1: a therapy session. <laughs> cry I just... for help. Please help us out.
0: Everybody's got these kind of problems. It's like what? <laughs> nobody tunes in to be like, I want to hear your problems. <laughs> uh, if it's your first time here, this is a live Wednesday night show that Mystery Chris and I do where we talk about pop culture and we just hang out with people and have fun on a Wednesday night. And it's on a new channel called Deprogrammed. If you like the content, consider subscribing. If you wanna support us financially, consider doing that. You can do it at Patreon or Subscribestar or Locals. And I think that's it. That's all the announcements I need to make. So anyway, on to the topic. Take it away.
1: (laughs) Uh, So Hmm. tonight we're going to be talking about uh, Jerry Springer and the Springerfication of daytime talk shows and how Jerry Springer in general influenced the culture because I've been thinking about this subject for a while now. Uh, I used to be someone who loved Jerry Springer and The Maury Show. Uh, in fact, when Jerry Springer really started getting popular in the late 90s, early 2000s, I'd come home from school every day and uh, heat up a Hot Pocket and watch it. And so now I associate Hot Pockets with Jerry Springer. And to this day, I haven't eaten a Hot Pocket or watched Jerry Springer. <laughs> but it, it's always fascinated me. Uh, how popular that show once was, and still kind of is. I know they don't make new episodes anymore, but they still show the reruns. Uh, Maury's still going. I think they just canceled him, actually. But wow. uh, yeah, these shows that have been on since the early '90s, like I think both started in 1991, so almost 30 years, really.
0: It it really was a '90s phenomenon, and I know that two sisters and some yarn said she might show up tonight because she loved the 90s topics and I know people really think of trashy talk tv as a 90s phenomenon and when you suggested this I hadn't really thought about it in a while but you're right it kind of died Mm -hmm. and that and that begs the question well what happened because it was in the 90s trashy talk tv was huge I mean that's where people got all their I guess their drama addiction filled and as you pointed out the genre kind of changed. it didn't start out that way did it
1: no it, it started out more serious there used to be more a little bit more thoughtful talk on politics and life and slowly start started becoming more sensationalized especially with uh geraldo uh, you remember the back in the 80s when i think it was al Capone, uh, capone's vault broke it you know tore down a wall and try to find something there's nothing in there And then they had the uh, famous fight between him and the Ku Klux Klan guy where he got his nose broke. Really huge at the time. And so when Jerry Spirits about in 91, he started off more of the series type shows, which we have a clip show a little bit. His show was facing cancellation by 94. In order to revamp the show, they changing the topics to be more sensationalized to appeal to a younger demographic because you have to remember daytime talk show stuff was a piece of women and so once they did you know, the topics they brought in younger demographics other shows at the time start same topics that jones did uh, williams ricky lake uh, a bunch of them started doing very you know just this. Oh, there goes gary you know, just as, you know, <laughs> hey, you're back, uh, Sensationalized Jerry Springer was doing. And I think that kind of ushered in the end of the traditional type of daytime talk shows. I know there's still, you know, Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil, I think both still have shows that are kind of more open. But, you know, ever since then, it's really just been the view, the view knockoffs, like the talk, like, I, I don't know one of them a messier or not. No, Biblical A Fox, I'm a racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so a bunch of shows are all just the same thing. On the table, just yapping about something.
0: Yeah. I So you, I think it's because I'm not wired on this laptop. It doesn't allow me to do that. But you're breaking up for me, which probably means I'm lagging. So I apologize if you guys are seeing that. Um, I did catch most of that and i do i i, I wonder i think it, w- when we were talking about this i wonder if the reason it kind of shifted is because they saw their ratings skyrocket when they started getting trashier that they found that look this is an appetite people have and so we're gonna feed it because we want ratings and money and viewers
1: yeah definitely um, you know like i said it brought in that younger audience but i think once the internet really came about, I think a lot of that audience shifted over younger people just leaving behind uh, women to watch a lot of those shows. So I think a lot of the Springer-type stuff didn't appeal as much to that demographic. And now we have, like I said, the talk and all that other stuff. But yeah, I think it was very desperate attempt to, to bring in audiences, and it didn't really work too much for the other ones other than Springer or Mori.
0: Well, do you think that it's shifted that kind of? And I know you want to do a separate episode at some point about reality TV, kind of separating reality TV, like I put that, I should put that word in scare quotes, reality TV, like Jersey Shore or all the real housewives and that kind of stuff, separating that out from what we're calling the trashy talk shows. But do you think that some of that? Maybe addiction or that desire to see that sort of drama and cringe the catastrophe got transferred into what became a booming reality TV market.
1: Yes, and because I think a theme that we're we're seeing as we cover these topics for uh, pop culture is uh, the rise of reality TV show, and really the I almost want to say democratization of I don't know communications. Where a lot of regular people are having more of a voice, uh, but unfortunately, regular people are stupid and trashy. <laughs> 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 this, this sucks, but it, it's true because we went from, you know, say like MTV, we're going to do a whole show on MTV, but I've really been studying and thinking about MTV. And with MTV, we went from a culture that existed that celebrated. Musicians and directors, people who were producing things like artistic endeavors, if you, you know, I I, I count them as artistic art, uh, but they were producing these things and, you know, people would talk about their lives and stuff. And it got a little bit more um, gossipy as the 90s, you know, uh, went on with Michael Jackson and OJ and others, but we kind of shifted from that to focusing more on just regular people through reality TV and ultimately through the internet, you know, these so-called influencers and other people who many of them, not all, but many of them produced nothing of artistic, you know, uh, merit. They were just people who were just being themselves and expecting to get fame and fortunes for just existing and not really producing something that a lot of people found a value, even though there are people who do find a lot of stuff value, valuable, but, uh, I I do think how we have shifted, you know, um, from a celebrity type culture, you know, that kind of looked at these people as being more elitist, you know, or are existing in a more high culture. And now we've kind of, Everything's been collapsed into a lower culture, <laughs> and this is what kind of like what oh so much of the media that's being produced is coming out of just appealing to the lowest common denominator.
0: Well, yeah, I think well, one thing that happened with this what you're calling the democratization of media and and content and stuff like what we're doing and YouTube and podcasters and all this stuff, Instagram, Instagram influencers, mm-hmm. things like that, is that people shifted a lot of the obsession that they would have. I think that sort of parasocial relationship that they would have with celebrities, movie stars it, over to just average people who started create, putting stuff out there because now every, anybody could do it. Anybody could start an Instagram feed or start a YouTube channel or start a um, a podcast. And so mm-hmm. we've definitely seen that. What you got me thinking about was also how, when you talked about how at the beginning of talk TV, there was more legitimacy to it. Like they were trying to uncover actual stories and Geraldo, you know, was, was covering more newsworthy topics. And then it just devolved into trashy, like who the dad, who's the father (laughs) Um, and fighting and stuff on air. Mm -hmm. And, and that made me think about YouTubers because I think we could all think of maybe a few examples of people who started off doing a certain kind of content. And then next thing, you know, all they're doing is drama tubing, like just trashy attack videos and starting feuds with people just to get attention. I've even heard about people, uh, two different content creators who started a fake feud with each other. (laughs) Just to get attention. Uh, (laughs) Isn't that crazy?
1: Well, that's like a lot of rappers after the biggie Tupac stuff after both of them got shot by somebody a lot of rappers were faking feuds between one another in order to sell you know albums and yeah same thing with reality tv too so much of reality tv is fake like we're mentioning last week where the conflict is completely scripted and so conflict sells and here we are
0: yeah well do we want to start what do we want to start with some articles we want to start with some clips just to give people if there's any if there's any um z- uh, zoomers here or young millennials you may not even be you may not even know who uh, some of these people are Mari Povic or Jerry Springer am I right they might be too young should we show them some clips we
1: can show i mean i'm sure a lot of people it depends i don't know how how many young people we're watching Jerry Springer, because it, it got canceled in 2018. I know there's still some reruns, and Maury just finally got canceled. But yeah, we'll, sh- we'll show clips regardless.
0: Okay. Should I just pull up this first one that you sent me?
1: Pull, pull up the first one. This is a clip from, I. it's titled the first episode. I don't know if it's the actual first episode of Jerry Springer, but it's one of them. It's just a short clip, and we don't even have to watch the whole thing. But just to give an, a, a little example of what Jerry Springer once was, how different his
0: show used to be. Oh, before the trash.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Okay. Here we go. Yeah, somebody in the chat is mentioning Jenny Jones. And actually, I have I have something pulled up about Jenny Jones. I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a murder mm-hmm. because of her show. Um, okay. Can you see that?
1: Uh, Not yet. See. Not yet. Might be okay, a little but, slow.
0: Uh, I've got it cued. Let me just read so I don't get too far behind. Thank you guys for the super chats. Thank you so much. I'm going to read a couple of these real fast. Mario Trulio gives $2 and says, you already left one cult. Here's to leaving another. I'm going to, I think he's talking about Apple, not my Christianity. Some people call <laughs> my Christianity. You know? yeah, I was like,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's when we were talking about Apple. <laughs> Thank you, Mario. Thank you so much. Right. Especially right now. We're like, ah, it's a crazy expensive day. Let's see. Blix says, hi, Carrie. Oh, this is not a super chat, but I want to read this one. Hi, Gary. You fellow Austinite, what is the best memory of old Austin? Like, what place, dive bar, obscure hole in the wall, etc., do you love or miss about Austin? Oh, man. Um, Well, on Congress Avenue, there used to be just a ton of these mom and pop show- stores. And I actually ran into the other day, Um, oh, right before I saw you for the party this weekend, I was. Uh, uh, walking downtown and I ran into this, this, this old gay couple, these old guys, they used to run a shop called the turquoise door and I don't know, they must be in their seventies. Their name and their names are uh, like Jerry and Terry. Their names rhyme. Anyway, I ran into them. They, their st- Their store had to close down because the rent on Congress just kept increasing like 10 times in a, in a year. It got to be insane. And the people who were renting and had rented there forever, like they had, and their store was beautiful. It's where I got these earrings that people always complimenting. They had all kinds of art from around the world, um, different handmade items from different artists. And they just had really great taste. And, um, Anyway, they got pushed out. Everyone got pushed out because the owners of uh, a lot of those buildings on Congress said, look, if you can't afford the rent increase, I can put a Tiffany's in here or a Starbucks and they can afford it. And so um, yeah, turquoise door. That's, that's the one. There's a lot, but that's the one I'll mention. It sucks. Do you have a favorite place that you miss?
1: Um, I remember one of Yalama Draft House used to be on uh, South Lamar, which was mm-hmm. more old uh, old school. It was like an old building that they just moved into and made a theater out of, but now they tore it down and it's like some giant mixed use development place. So that's the Austin way.
0: You know that big development downtown with the Target and I think maybe a Whole Foods or something? It's where that uh, field yeah. used to be. Yes. Um, where everything used to end and now there's just expensive condos and a huge parking garage in target. And I don't know why that depresses me every time I drive past that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ken Lipson just gives a heart and $5. Thank you, Ken Lipson. Thank you very much. Um, let's see. And then dangerous Rhett is here. Hello, dangerous Rhett. They said to the daytime talk shows, psyop generations of women by promoting bad behavior.
1: <laughs> well, it's funny. I was a, uh... Before the show, I was, I was reading an article on uh Maury, and apparently Chuck D., the lead singer of uh, Public Enemy, had tweeted out some time ago um, accusing the government of funding Maury in order to put out, you know, all these Blacks accusing each other of being illegitimate parents, whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was like... <laughs> It's like, I don't think the government really needs to, <laughs> to fun more. <laughs> I think, the, uh, sadly, there's a, a plethora of people to choose between and a hot one to watch that program.
0: Chuck, Chuck D is right some of the time. Mm-hmm. He's someone that I still like because sometimes I think he nails it. And other times I think he's a bit of a conspiracy theory theorist. But who isn't? these days yeah, well yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> a lot of those old school black Muslims are pretty uh pretty based on a certain issue they still don't like white people but you know <laughs> past that you're uh, like okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, i can look past that not the white people
0: ken lifson for five dollars says i think you're onto something here this is a great topic on how we got to where we are next topic should be GamerGate. With Gary from Neurotic, oh, you know what? We do need to do just a Gamergate expose because that was something I was totally wrong about. And once I started doing research, I did a lot of research on it after I started leaving social justice and just realized how bamboozled I had been. Um, That's a great topic. Thank you, Ken. Okay. Let's see. I'm going to put this on the screen. Okay, kids.
1: you know, this is for the Bashi, uh, portion. Start Iranians. About getting the hostages back that that is exactly what the president of the United States had said on television. We will not deal with the terrorists. He was telling other countries, please don't deal with the Iranians. Don't deal with the terrorists. Yeah, and Maybe even though, and even to this day in his own in his own memoirs, President Reagan says. We really didn't trade
0: arms for hostages because uh, we were dealing with Iranians and the Iranians weren't the, the, the captors. Now, it's a distinction without a difference as far as I'm concerned.
1: If in fact Brian's in a smoking section, doesn't he have the right to smoke? Well, yes he does. However, the rules are changing. In California especially, they are banning smoking left and right in restaurants, workplaces and all public places. And the prediction is that's going to happen. I
0: don't there's even remember this, Jerry Springer. <laughs> I know. I keep waiting for someone to show up a chair. I'll
1: get one of those over the back. ...stories about the crime and the great problems in, in our inner cities. And I think it's important that America gets to see the other face, too, that you don't have to be born rich to make
0: it. And,
2: and that not everyone that lives in a project is on ADC or Social Security or... Having kids has to get more money on their check.
1: And you've got a pretty good life going right now. As I understand it, what, you're a senior in high school? Yeah. What's next?
0: College.
1: You're going to college.
0: Okay. And you know what? Uh, you nice so
1: feel good. You, okay? What? You are going to meet your daughter, Sandy, who you have not seen in 35 years. Sandy, <laughs> she afraid of this last Sandy?
0: Uh, Okay, this I don't remember this Jerry Springer. He's like respectable. (laughs) He's talking to Oliver North like a serious interview. He's doing a talk show. Yes, but he's talking about relevant topics about should you Mm -hmm. be able to have smoking bans or not. He's, he's dispelling stereotypes. He's reuniting in a feel good. Okay, you could say that's a, a ratings gimmick, but he's doing a feel good episode at least reunited with your daughter if you haven't seen in 30 years no one's chanting jerry jerry there's no (laughs) chairs being broken over heads there's no kkk on stage fighting or people being lured there under false pretenses (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's Uh, pretty do you remember this jerry
1: no i don't i don't even remember hearing about prior to when it's once the show got trashy
0: so how long was he doing th- those kind of shows?
1: That was up until 94, and they were going to cancel his show, and that's when they decided to start doing more sensationalistic. Okay. In fact, I have a one of the articles. I only want to read the portion where it talks about uh, titles. Okay. I'm on the Um but if you could pull up the article, let's see, which one is it?
0: Is that a landline?
1: I, yes, it is. I'm visiting Oaks and they still have a landline. Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to
0: have a landline. I can't wait. <laughs> the uh, only thing with the landline is you can't mute it when it's ringing. You have to pick it up and hang it up. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh,
1: let's see. Which it was, I think it's the second one, trial. We'll see. I'm trying to get my email. I sent you the. Who is it?
0: Is it the end of civilization?
1: <laughs> second one. Uh, the Jerry Springer effect. See that?
0: Okay. One? Oh, that's funny. I don't know if you know, but that's what I named the show today.
2: Let's see. Okay,
0: that uh, one's coming up. You can start reading from it if you want. I'm going to pull okay.
1: it up. I'm trying to
0: pull it up. Why isn't
1: coming up? One moment. Here we go. And I'm going to So, so this. article has some great titles. And this kind of gives the quality of episodes that is producing once he decided to make that leap. She cannot come back. If the website will come up.
0: <laughs> oh, that's crazy. I think it's it actually. Not coming up? It's not coming up for me either. It's the article itself. Okay, It will on. not open.
1: Well, hold, hold on. I might have it.
0: Somewhere okay. There. Well, while you do that, I'm just going to pull up another Springer clip. So uh, I see that you included here racist kids. I know what this one is. I would like to just skip ahead. I'm going to pull an audible.
1: Oh yeah. You don't have to you have to watch it. I was found it interesting. Okay. So.
0: Um, I don't know if you guys remember this, this was going around again recently.
1: So the question now is, how do we deal with it? Because we do have to deal with it. One day, these kids are going to grow up. And that poison is going to be spread.
0: So how do we deal with it? Well, I thought we'd do something different here. The mouth of some middle... Wait, let's start. And I'm 14. Oh, wait, this is the beginning. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) Why do they have all this blank space at the beginning? You guys, it's Uh, worth it to go back. It's worth it to go back. Just wait till these kids...
2: I'm 11 years old. I'm 12 years old. And I'm 14. We believe that Blacks are not equal to Whites and when the time comes, God will demand us to kill all Jews. <laughs> whoa, hey, whoa, whoa, hey, hey.
0: What? <laughs> now, I think that's staged, don't you?
1: Either way, why would anyone allow their children to be on a show declaring themselves be racist whether it's fake or real i mean i know this was before you know the internet was really big and before people could do research to find out who these people were but still you don't why would anybody want to put their children in that position I,
0: I Even if I, I just, racist i just think that it's just too over the top and it sounds scripted and you're <laughs> right the parents could have scripted it And and those kids could truly be being raised that way. But I I just just think it sounds like one of those things that when when talk TV got trashy and they were looking for more and more um, extreme or shocking content, I think they probably put out like they would do back then. and, And young people may not know this, but they would put out a call for stories and they would say, are you someone who, you know, Believes like what that girl just said. <laughs> like, <laughs> are you a racist who believes that God wants us to kill people of this race? Call us. And I think people just wanted to be on TV. I don't know. I don't know. It just seems there's something weird about that clip to me. <laughs> Did you find your article?
1: Um, I found a little, uh, Let me see. Little here. Go
2: here.
1: So I'm just going to read this few uh Interesting titles. Uh, bizarre sex jobs. Uh, I slept with 251 men in 10 hours. I'm pregnant by a transsexual. I'm pregnant by my brother.
0: Wait, what are these?
1: Titles to the... He did.
0: Okay. Sorry. There was... We're having a uh, little bit of technical difficulty, so... I had breaking to
1: ask up you to repeat yourself yeah oh okay uh yeah so the last one was i was i'm by my brother uh expedition brawless brawlers i married a horse which this episode apparently got banned in certain countries and because it was too critical because people don't like horses <laughs> uh there's adult babies grown men who drive Jameis, and Steady Crib, which I'm sure you can't really make judge about more because person identifies as a baby. Got to go with it. <laughs> uh, when I'm half off my legs. Uh, the man who cut off his own penis.
0: No. Uh,
1: <laughs> this is... He was the Pope. <laughs> and man wants his leg back from his mistress.
0: Oh, gosh. High quality there. He went from interviewing Oliver North mm-hmm. to doing that kind of content. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I hate to beat a dead horse uh, <laughs> or marry a horse, but I can't help but see a similar trajectory with people on YouTube as well. Like that sort of <laughs> let's just scrape the bottom of the barrel and just do trash, you know, content kind of thing where, where, you see people start off with some kind of purpose and then it just devolves into that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And especially when there's a lot of commission and be other people out and something like, I'm just going to raise these sensational stuff to get attention and it works.
0: Well, I want to share an article with you. So this is one, I don't think you've read this one. So I'm going to read a little bit of it for us. And this is also for people who maybe don't understand how culturally relevant uh, this was, how uh, big of a, of a market it had, and how many people tuned in for this to get the drama, you know, feel like to get that kind of addiction. Um, this is an article from theoutline.com, and it's called American Mirror, A Crash Course in Trash TV. And then the subheadline is The country's soul is exposed in our daytime talk shows. No wonder they're so hard to watch. Now, this was written in 2017. So, this is when it was already on the outs. Like most of these TV talk shows weren't even airing anymore. Um, there were just a few stragglers that were still going. So, I'm going to skip ahead to the second paragraph. He says, Watching daytime TV can feel a lot like being frozen in time. The mostly tame sensibilities of primetime are non-existent between the hours of 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. When shows like Mari, which has been on the air for 26 years, parade one-dimensional representations of the black and the poor in between advertisements for questionable diet pills. The programming block is full of deadbeat fathers bickering with angry exes over child support and familial spats ranging from the mundane to the morbid and obscene. The Jerry Springer Show, a frontrunner of the genre that premiered the same year as Mari, for example, features guests getting into physical altercations during which the signature crowd chant of Jerry, Jerry, Jerry fills the air. The show is also shamelessly offensive. As recently as 2013, Jerry Springer ran a segment where two black men had to play basketball in competition over a woman. <laughs> sounds awesome. <laughs> you think that sounds good? <laughs> Here's a picture of bodyguards stopping a physical fight.
1: I bet you they
0: egged that on backstage, by the way.
1: Um, Definitely. And even if they didn't tell, you know, you have to do this, you you know when you're going on a show, what's expected of you. They, they wouldn't even have to say, oh, you need to get a fight, you know, because know, this is what you do.
0: Yeah. Daytime TV, the block of programming that airs after the popular morning talk shows and before the nightly news, developed in the early days of broadcast television as a home for shows catering to housewives, tending to domestic duties at home. In the 50s and 60s, daytime advertisements focused almost exclusively on household chores, cooking, and women's needs. Shows like the courtroom reenactment series Day in Court and the game show Do You Trust Your Wife were early iterations of the type of pulp television series that are popular today. There was little in terms of scandal in this early era of daytime television. One controversial talk show host, Les Crane, caused a stir when he interviewed a gay man on the air. As Crane pushed the envelope of what was acceptable on TV, the same was occurring in the real world. In the 60s, the rise of the counterculture and a boom in protest movements brought a number of social issues into the public consciousness. The Phil Donahue Show, which premiered in 1967 with Firebrand host Phil Donahue, tapped into that zeitgeist. Donahue made a point to bring on guests from emerging movements around the country, and the talk show is credited with introducing hip hop to television audiences in 1984. The Morton Downey Jr. Show, which premiered in 1987 and ran until 1989, laid much of the groundwork for the type of brash, confrontational style of talk shows that we see today. Downey would chain smoke on air and incite fights between his guests. He was also ardently politically incorrect, coining phrases like "pablum puking liberal. What to describe yeah. progressive thinkers?
1: <laughs> Never heard that.
0: I don't know what that is. The genre of controversial daytime talk show peaked with the Oprah Winfrey show, which premiered in 1986, with many of the same types of guests as Morton Downey Jr., and none of the aggressive conservatism. An episode featuring skinheads is thought to have caused Winfrey to change the tone of the show, drawing a moral line that many other daytime talk shows would gladly cross. So she was one that I do think stood out, is like she was not jumping on this train like Ricky Lake and uh, Jenny Jones. Uh, Sally, Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Okay, I'll just read just a little bit more of this because I think this is a good history and background. By the time Jerry Springer came to air in 1991, a new dynamic had taken over daytime TV. Hungry for the ratings, that outlandish and borderline offensive programming guaranteed, shows like Ricky Lake, The Jenny Williams Show, and Maury added a salacious twist to the popular talk show, inviting on guests who would be seen as oddities by conventional audiences at the time members of essentially any marginalized group from poor blacks to single mothers, to people who identified as LGBT. Okay. You can tell this person writing, this is sort of in the woke area because they're talking about marginalized groups. I would also, I would also add to this and they didn't, but I would also add to this, the KKK, the KKK are marginalized group of oddities. (laughs) Like, Like They're just, Okay, and they were brought on the same reason these other people were brought on, which is for people to gawk at them and say, how could they live like that? Just like that racist kids clip that we just saw. Yep. Um, so it says that members of a marginalized, marginalized groups were brought on to participate in what amounted to televised freak shows. With Reagan's moralistic crusade still lingering in the public imagination, the 90s also found the nation in the grip of a full-on culture war. Um so here's some of the stuff about the, he's sort of trashing on conservatives who were trying, but he was saying that the conservatives launched a campaign to take the trash out of daytime television talk shows. um, And, and so here, let me see. So it talks about how programs like Maury and Ricky Lake only got more popular, a precursor to the explosion of reality television in the early two thousands. So that's sort of what we are saying is I think a lot of this trash, the reason why you don't see the daytime Uh, trash talk shows as much anymore is because people are getting the trash from the so-called reality shows now. Um, Daytime talk shows, colloquially known as tabloid talk shows, appealed to a curiosity about the human condition as well as the undeniable appeal of watching a car crash. In the 90s, terms like politically correct and identity politics were at the forefront of public discourse and bringing these conversations into reality, albeit in elegantly captivated audiences. Jerry Springer famously brought on members of the KKK to argue with and eventually fight black activists. So it was like all circus. It was all exposition, uh, uh, um, sorry, exhibition. Like they just wanted to put on a, a show, like send in the clowns, like let's bring on the KKK and a black activist group so they'll fist fight on stage
1: very uh, voyeuristic in terms of people wanting to see more trashier people uh, people who are giving into those instincts you know for violence and violence over you know sexual matters as well. it's just, it's just gross
0: yeah
1: let's see I have a article I want a little bit from it now. By the way, this article I found, it's a socialist site. I'm a dirty commie, but I came across this uh, website when I'm looking up stuff for, for Springer and uh, there are some good points raised in it until the very end. We we'll blame it all on capitalism, of course. Oh <laughs> <laughs> but surprised to find a uh, article on a socialist site that at a moral standing, which it, it's odd because in this article, this person like starts to talk about the absence of traditional values. You know, was present in Derry Springer, but they believe that you know traditional values are stupid anyway. So I'm not co- I'm very confused as exactly what they're advocating for other than socialism. I don't see how that would improve society. Uh, but um, I'm going to skip around a little bit. Uh, so I'm gonna start
0: so, th- uh just first of all, the title of this. It's it's a like you said, it's a socialist site called wor- uh, Workers Liberty Reason in Revolt. And the title is Jerry Springer and the End of Civilization. Yeah,
1: so- that's interesting. So I'm gonna start with the third paragraph. Uh so Springer, a disgraced politician whose show was going nowhere until it spiced up the two out of tra- out trash thing on TV. It makes the Ricky Lake show seem The uh, height of property uh, propriety describes the daily spectacle a silly show, but he claims it gives voice to the voice the little people that America ignores, betraying it as some kind of democratic blazer. It takes what is always disturbing about these talk shows, mainly that people would want to bear their darkest secrets on TV and magnifies them to the nth degree. But where there might be something therapeutic in public confessions on other shows, it's hard to imagine that any of these guests home from Jerry Springer and other than the deepest depression. I'm gonna skip down after the next one. It is deeply, deeply depressing stuff. It treats people's worst emotional trauma, not simply as entertainment, but as a circus. Frequently, the guests are not too far off circus freaks, or at least act up their freakishness for the camera nastier guests are to each other and the more violent they get the more the audience laps it up They be utterly stupid stupid it's a miracle that they can get up and speak or rather simultaneously and nothing but talk show cliche yet one of the remarkable things is that it's very for the guest who has been told some awful thing by their loved one to react, and to know where they've been brought on national tv to be told occasionally they do and walk off even then you wonder what is what they expected as it comes on Jerry Springer to receive a declaration of. Normally, they simply participate in seizing it, uh, it would seem, on the chance for fame or attention, even at the cost of humiliation. People justify their actions in only the most serious manner. Men caught cheating on the sources of women, and a few men, not usually, just ran proud her miserable spouse, Hal a cheating wife announced that her husband's got a small dick. Parents of victimized wife batterers confront their son victims. and Dreams of hysterical abuse. Pause briefly to concede that their son did was wrong. Then return to the abuse. Audience members stand to make crass moralizing points, then applaud themselves. The red the gang leap to their feet, screaming "Jerry!" Jerry! For the twentieth time in as many minutes. Quite often the audience will wonder bra- bizarrely from that point. Woman who rises to demand a lesbian menacha, not why they are so unspeakable vile to each other, hey, but what yeah.
0: I think I think you're breaking up pretty bad now. I'm uh, oh, Sorry. I know it sucks. We're only getting like every other word. Um as somebody in the chat told me Wikipedia that you're breaking up also. Is it is it for everybody or just me? I was hoping it was just for me. I know you're back in. Maybe. I know you're traveling. Are you also on Wi-Fi? Yeah. Yeah, you're breaking up pretty bad.
1: Oh, that's come back. Let me come back.
0: Okay. You try coming back in. I'll be back. I'm gonna pick up where you left off. Okay. Sorry, guys. We are experiencing technical problems today. Oh yeah, everybody says it's happening for them too. Okay, we're gonna have them come back in um thanks for hanging out with us if you're still here we'll see if we can get mystery chris back so he was talking about he was reading about the disgusting parts of the show and again this is from a socialist site so it's pretty interesting i always i always appreciate it like an event venn diagram where there's somebody who you can disagree with them on foundational world views or world beliefs but you guys have an but you have an overlap in some opinions or policy positions or whatever and that's the case here. I mean, I think this is—I think so far this article is spot on. Okay, there's mystery, Chris. I'm back. Okay, let's see. By the way, two sisters and mm. some yard says I need full Wi-Fi, sexy Chris voice.
1: <laughs> well, hello there. Mm. Yeah.
0: So try uh, a, re- a few words, sir. Let's see if it's still going crazy. All right.
1: Yeah. Let me... all right, so I'm gonna skip down. Um... So the Jerry Springer Show reveals a society who enter What the guests are whose way of life is deceit and emotional? The audience are voyeuristic sadists, only happy if other people are suffering. It interjects moral lessons into the monstrous of his end speeches. Uh, still, uh,
0: yeah, it's still bad. I'm sorry. It's hard to hear you. Um, oh, what are we gonna do? Oh. This hasn't happened.
1: Uh,
0: do you want me to read some of this and you, and you try to come back in one more time? Yeah. Is there any way for you to get wired?
1: I don't think so. Uh, don't think
0: or try your phone.
1: Uh,
0: See if your phone's better.
1: Uh, I don't. I don't think we do that. This happened to me
0: one time with the red-headed libertarian and she tried her phone and it worked better.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah, somebody says drop your Wi-Fi and use LTE like your phone. Okay. Doc um, Savage says tell Chris to move his trailer closer to the Burger King next door. <laughs> <laughs> hey. uh, okay, while you do that, uh, I just watched the movie Parasite guys. Somebody told me I had to watch it. It was excellent. I fully understand why it won Best Picture a few years ago. And there is a scene where they're trying to get Wi-Fi from a coffee shop next door. <laughs> so okay.
1: Let's see. I gotta pull it out.
0: up on your phone and I'm gonna read some of this while you do that. Okay. Just so people can, it's just hard to hear it. Um so I'm gonna reread just a little bit of it because it was you were breaking up. The part about the circus, it treats people's worst emotional trauma, not simply as entertainment, but as circus. Frequently, the guests are not far off circus freaks, or at least act up their freakishness for the sake of the camera. The nastier guests are to each other and the more violent they get, the more the audience laps it up. The guests normally seem to be unutterably stupid, so stupid it is a miracle that they can get up in the morning. This guy's rather mean. And, spe- and speak or rather yell simultaneously in nothing but talk show cliches. Yet one of the remarkable things is that it's very rare for a guest who has been told some awful thing by their loved one to react by demanding to know why they've been brought on national TV to be told it. Occasionally they do and walk off. And by the way, I'm going to just add something to this. When we get to the Jenny Jones one later, you'll see an example of someone who did who, who did well he didn't ask on camera why was i brought here for this i don't think but he ended up killing someone who brought him on the show because it was a surprise to him but anyway um the article continues occasionally they do and walk off even then you wonder what they expected as nobody comes on jerry springer to receive a declaration of love normally they simply participate in the circus seizing it would seem on their chance for 10 minutes of fame or attention even at the cost of horrendous humiliation People justify their actions in only the most cursory manner. Men called out cheating on their wives with scores of women and a few men, not unusually, just grin proudly and tell their hurt and miserable spouse how crap they are in bed. A cheating wife will announce that her husband's got a small D word. Parents of convicted wife batterers confront their son's victims with screams of hysterical abuse, pause briefly to concede that what their son did was wrong, and then return to the abuse. Audience members stand to make crass, moralizing points, then applaud themselves as the rest of the gang leap to their feet, screaming, Jerry, Jerry, for the 20th time in as many minutes. Quite often, the audience will wander bizarrely from the point, like a woman who rises to demand of the lesbian menage a trois, not why they are so unspeakably vile to each other, but why on earth they are lesbians at all. Sometimes guests and spectators challenge each other to fights or flash their breasts in gestures of content. The hysteria of guests and audience is carefully stage managed and encouraged, of course. And recently Springer has been ordered to tone down the onstage violence. Sometimes as the handheld cameras whirl around, the enraged guests who are literally pulling out clumps of one another's hair, you will catch a glimpse of the floor manager holding up a placard and jumping up and down to incite the audience. But it's not simply that. The Jerry Springer Show reveals a society with no moral center whatsoever again this is on a socialist site i just want to point out they're saying there's no moral center the guests are people whose way of life is based on deceit and emotional cruelty The audience are voyeuristic sadists who are only happy if other people are suffering. Springer injects moral lessons into the monstrous thing by his end speeches, but in the context of what has been encouraged and delivered, these are only the most blatant acts of hypocrisy. Yet the entire spectacle is bolstered by an appearance of moral principles. Okay, I believe Mr. Chris is back. Let's see. Hello, sir.
1: Hello. Can you hear me?
0: Much better.
1: All right.
0: We don't have your you. fancy avatar, but we can hear your voice with no break.
1: Good. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out all this, you know, I'm not good with technology, you know, that.
0: um, while you were gone, I had to read the D word and Adam Worl is asking if I mean Democrat. <laughs> 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 well, thanks for coming back. I was reading your socialist article. And I got to the point, which is very interesting, where he's talking about how um, it's this truly object like it it just just objectively immoral show where people are the worst versions of themselves and they're encouraged to be those versions and they they chant and they kind of get into this mob mentality. And yet. The whole thing, the whole spectacle, he says, is bolstered by the appearance of moral principles. So, at the end of each episode, he goes through the song and dance of like cloaking it in some more like remember, guys, like cloaking it in some fake BS moral reason why he did this trash show. <laughs> <laughs> what?
1: I'm oh, sorry. I'm still trying to make sure I'm. Oops. I don't know. Okay, this is weird. Anyway, keep going.
0: Um. Well. Okay. I'm going to pick up on that article then. If you want the the part about is that the part you were leading up to?
1: Uh. Yeah. I was leading up to. Let's see where the paragraph that b- begins with throughout what's striking. The.
0: Okay. If you can, if you can read it on your phone and do the sure. streaming, go ahead. All
1: right. Do yeah. that. Uh. The core values to which Springer appeals again, and again, despite the. And Tell me if you've already read this part. Uh, Despite the surface liberalness towards his freak show or old-fashioned conservative family ones, his guests and audience ostensibly share them. What makes them so angry is that these values have collapsed in practice. Their lovers are constantly unfaithful. No one can be trusted, and they have nothing to fill the void. It's the gap between how they think the world is and their actual experience, which torments them. And in the gap you find over and over,
0: We lost you. Oh, knows, You guys, this is going to be a banner episode. <laughs> I'm going to pick it up. Uh, and in that gap, you find over and over the most bizarre misplacement of anger. Why do two women fighting over some selfish, arrogant, badly behaved man tear each other's hair out rather than his? It's the rage of America's underclass. Springer's guests are usually unemployed, or if they have work, it will be somewhere in the sex industry. Many's the show in which a stripper will suddenly offer to perform his or her act to taunt their lover, and the lights immediately dim, and the music plays in a carefully prepared display. You guys, this show was so tawdry. I don't know if you're... Okay. They come, broadly speaking, from the same world in which kids kill each other over what kind of shoes they wear, a world in which society is literally disintegrating poor politically unrepresented uneducated ignored by the system it's as if there is nothing left in their lives but an incoherent rage focused on nothing and inarticulate despair and the only thing which can possibly fill the hole is to be on television so that's why they come and come you know what this reminds me of is okay you're back
1: sorry Hello. i i didn't know i got I, I kept reading and then i was thinking am i still connected Oh, yeah <laughs>
0: well i read the end of that paragraph and do you know what it reminds me of is because it's talking about how why would they come on this show tear each other's hair out subject themselves to this to being like circus freaks on trash talk show tv and and it's talking about how they're the the in large part that he this socialist paper anyway is calling them the underclass right um but but he's saying it so they could be famous it's to be seen it's to be mm-hmm. on television that's the only thing that can mitigate this awful life that they're living supposedly um i think that that makes me think of what we're seeing in the news lately where you're seeing these copycat mass shooters mm-hmm. who are a lot of times young disaffected men um who um uh, a lot of times are unemployed the same way he's describing these people on Springer um, who I think in some ways see this shot at fame who have some kind of resentment built up about life in general and decide to go out in this way and to take as many people with them as possible to get that kind of fame because at least they're on television, right? There was a, a true crime story I was listening to uh, today about a 14 year old boy who's about to stand trial as an adult he killed a 13 year old he stabbed her over a hundred times and he had told his friends beforehand that he just he wanted to kill someone and that he was going to kill someone within a month and he would take them in the woods and, and stab them and he did and he did it exactly how he told his friends and one of the things that happened is because these are such young kids in this case um you know, it was a 14 year old who committed the murder. It was a 13 year old who he killed. Uh, it's been, it, it, there are a lot of young people talking about it. So there's people all over Instagram and TikTok and, and I don't know what else the kids are using, but they're all talking about this case. And you would be surprised that some of the comments are attacking the murder victim and attacking her family and kind of holding him up as a hero because he's famous now. I mean, he's in jail awaiting trial. But I saw some of the comments were uh, things like, you know, damn, is that what I have to do to get famous? If you see a murder story, like someone murdered a classmate and your reaction is, well, that might be a good way to get famous. Like, I don't know. It's just making me I know this is a bit of a stretch, but it's just making me think of that that desire to be seen by people as many people as possible even if you have to subject yourself to mockery and depravity and being on Mm -hmm. trash TV, or even if it means doing something truly evil to someone else.
1: It, It all just speaks to this absence of meaning, you know, this kind of nihilism. You see all these people, you know, reacting in all sorts of ways that they think is going to bring their lives meaning, but are incredibly destructive to themselves and to the society in general. And I think this person Uh, who wrote this article kind of gets to that point even without explicitly saying it's nihilism but towards the end of that paragraph where uh they talk about you know the despair and, and the rage that comes from it and you know this not just for the people participating say on these shows but the people who are really enjoying it it's like why why do so many people enjoy this what does that say about you know their outlook on life and humanity Because I remember, you know, I used to, you know, love watching the Maury show, but then one day it hit me just how depressing it was thinking about like these poor kids, you know, with the internet, all these videos of their parents, their mom accusing five dudes of being their dad is going to be on the internet forever. And, you know, it it was depressing thing about that, you know, this isn't just a few people that this is representative of a larger group, a larger issue you know, society, but particular with, you know, blacks. And it was just very, very depressing. And I haven't been able to really watch the show since then.
0: It, it is depressing. It is sort of that. Um, I wonder if a lot of people have that moment, if maybe it's, it's something that they're watching for that thrill, shot and for right. Of watching trashy people like there, but for the grace of God, go I, right. Like that sort of superiority of looking down at messy people, but then having that moment of what am I? What does that say about me that I enjoy <laughs> this? Right? Like, what does that say about society that it this kind of entertainment so popular?
1: Right. Right. Yeah, it's very depressing. But this guy goes on, and that's all we have to read because you know the last three paragraphs, he blames it all on capitalism, of course. Oh, social science. So, so. <laughs> Do you want me
0: to read that part or no? If you want to <laughs>
1: if you want to like see how he somehow ties it into uh Capitalism. So I I had highlighted the um, third from last paragraph, where he starts talking about the Roman Empire. Oh
0: my goodness! Okay, because so far That's I'm on name. I'm on page with this. So, so far, wait, socialist. wait, we'll
1: see how he uh, sticks this landing.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> okay, before <laughs> here's the landing in the Roman Empire. The circus, where gladiators fought to the death and enemies of the state were eaten by lions, fulfilled the role of keeping the masses happy. It allowed the audience to experience intense emotion, matters of life and death vicariously. The Greek theater, on the other hand, fulfilled the same function through invented dramas. Roman culture was more brutal and barbaric, at least in part because it was based on a more brutal and exploitative system. The Greeks had slaves, of course, but their society did not depend on the savage mass exploitation of slavery and of far-flung rebellious dominions to the extent that the Romans did. A system founded and dependent on conquest and cruelty developed a cruel, bloody popular culture. Modern capitalism is like that.
2: (laughs) You know that's coming. The,
0: The system of exploitation breeds citizens who revel in its decadent excesses. Oh, man. This is a peculiarly capitalist type of excess in which even people's personal lives and disasters are a means for TV companies to make a quick buck. I mean, he does have a point.
1: Yes, uh, but I mean, capitalism is just people who are have, are free to trade property. That's what it comes down with. And so if you want to get mad at a certain company or person putting out these trashy things, then I think you got to get more upset at the people who are consuming things and ask, why is this a thing? Why are there so many people behaving this way? Why is there so many people who want to consume this thing rather than blaming the person putting it out? I mean <sighs> –
0: you know, <laughs> this is we should clip that exasperated sigh with carrie like <laughs> <laughs> i hear what you're saying you're saying it's not a system of uh trading things that is responsible it's what people want to trade it's what people want right yes. so it's our dark desires that fuel it like yes okay uh he continues he says um He says emotions are even treated like a commodity. They're not literally a commodity in that as far as I know, the guests aren't paid for their trouble, although they're flown in and put up in hotels, but it is the utter sacrifice of emotional life to the gods of money. And if not money for the guests themselves, a tiny taste of what money can bring fame and the pleasure of having a lens pointed at you. I agree with that part. It gives a chance for people without a voice to experience, if only for a few minutes, doing what stars do, show off to a mass audience. The program makers bank the traumatic result. So in a sense, Springer is right about giving voice to the voiceless. The problem is that the disenfranchised underclass of American society don't know what to say when they get a voice. Is he condescending to them? (laughs) 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 They're too stupid to know. and the voice is manipulated and transformed into something ghastly. His show does. So he's again, yes, he's, he's basically, this is what I think a lot of leftists do is they condescend to They're like these people, this, these poor disenfranchised, marginalized people. Um, they don't have a voice and they're too stupid. That, to, they're easily manipulated when you do give them a voice. It's like, let me speak for them.
2: <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> what,
0: that's kind of what I see a lot of leftists doing. Um, they take power away from people. It's like, dude, you're in the process of removing a voice from these people. And also I think he doesn't want to admit that, you know, sometimes when people see bad behavior, they want to excuse it based on what groups those people are in. Mm-hmm. They want to say, well, that's not really them. They're just, they're the poor voiceless and they, they have a voice, but they're being manipulated. It's like, no, that person is really trash. Like some people are just horrible people people. in fact being trash might have something to do with the position that they're in Mm -hmm. so I don't know I'm going to stop sharing that
1: but yeah that that speaks to this idea that a lot of far leftists have that you can engineer a uh, person that doesn't exhibit the base more nature of humanity that you can separate human nature from us humans and engineer a man who's way beyond that. When I think a lot of people who either center or or lean to the right tend to believe that environment does play some influence, of course, on our behavior, but there is a core nature that ultimately just can't be changed that much. And I I think this person believes that, you know, socialism or communist, whatever, can engineer a, a person that's not this trashy. <laughs> by
0: do, you, they, do you think? I, think, I think classes them-
1: And so there's nothing for people to really, you know, want to collect material goods. And so they won't turn into what we are now.
0: I, I think that these people are sometimes such idealists that they believe that if we completely redistributed wealth, right? Like for the old school Marxists or socialists it was all about we need to redistribute wealth. <clears throat> For the social justice marxists it's all about redistributing power, right, among identity groups. I think some of these people really believe that if everybody if, if everything was redistributed that that all of humans all of the worst parts of ourselves would go away, that yeah. everybody would be the worst the, the best version of themselves and that's just not true. That's we have free will. Mm-hmm. We have free will. Humans can choose to um, transcend I guess a Christian would say transcend the flesh and look towards the divine and try to be the best version of themselves I know I'm speaking wacky Christian talk or we can choose to wallow like pigs in our base humanness and that's what I see people doing on Springer is wallowing like pigs yeah. and I don't think that um, some benevolent elite class of people or identity group of people bestowing things upon the these these groups of people that they look down on be it a race or a, a sex or a sexuality or a, a class of people i don't think that that's gonna change the the base parts of human nature and the base parts of human nature exist in the elite classes too
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's just that a lot of times their wealth shields them from this
1: and you know i would argue that uh A lot of what we saw with, you know, Jerry Springer stuff and other, you know, deprived acts and music and art forms. I think a lot of that stems more from government intervening in the market and really preventing people from experiencing um, the consequences of their actions. Cause you could look at what happened with black people, you know, where you had uh, a lot of blacks who were. Families were much more intact, you know, in the nineteen you know forties and fifties, yeah. and then you know, great society program comes about, and you know, welfare and all these other things that uh, incentivized women not to have men in the home and and really prevent A lot of black women form for uh, from experiencing consequences of being promiscuous. I think that contribute to the breakdown of the family, and then the breakdown of the family contribute to. Uh, a lot of the behavior we see like on Springer and other things. And so I can look at art, like whether it be not, like music or I can look at shows like this and say, yes, it does have some influence on it, but I don't believe it's the main driver of, you know, this, this broken culture. Cause I, I think it does come more from the upbringings, you know, kids who are being raised in, and broken homes that don't have that stabilized force that, you know, a, um, intact family will provide, I I think a lot of that leads to the more, um, darker, you know, embracing of the darker aspects of our nature.
0: Yeah. It's like, well, we've, we've, um, completely emasculated men. We've shadowed over the concept of strong fathers of even needing a father in the home. And even when there are two parents in the home, I mean, this shooter that's in the news, how can I not talk about it? There was an article that came out in the Post Millennial that said, now, who knows if this is to be trusted. This is people they interviewed. They described the kid's mom. So his parents were together. They described his mom, and I called him a kid, sorry. He's a young adult. Um, But they described his mom as being unhinged and kind of crazy. And his dad as sort of enabling him And even though he had threatened the family and they had had to call the police on him, um, he should have been, there should have been red flags galore. His dad signed necessary paperwork for him to even acquire weapons. It sort of seems like just a dysfunctional home environment where you've got one parent who might be abusive and aggressive and another parent who compensates by over enabling and over soothing but not parenting any better. So there's no real stability because it's just the seesaw. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm in the same boat with, with some of the people I've seen online in after this shooting, talking about taking everything back to parenting. Like, what have we done in this country? The concept of stable home environments, you know, it, it, we've sort of papoed all, all over all of it. And we're just worshiping this God of narcissism and the self. It's mm-hmm. like don't put your family first, don't put your kids first. Put yourself first. Treat yourself, right? Like <laughs> <laughs> and this reality show, trash TV is all of that. It's just it's just selfishness on display. I did want to highlight in the chat, I saw a couple comments and and I completely agree. Alan Scott said you can be rich and still be trash. absolutely. Mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, <laughs> look at Jeffrey Epstein. Um, Kardashians at the Kardashians. Uh, he he says you can also be poor and dignified. Absolutely. And then Chuck Davis gives a super chat. Thank you, Chuck. And says I tune in in, in a couple a couple minutes late, and the first thing I hear <laughs> is Carrie saying Chuck D is sometimes right, and I'm like, Hey girl, I'm always right. <laughs> oh, I can't. oh that Chuck D. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes, you're always right. <laughs> how funny okay if i missed any i'll try to see i know i we started off talking about trash tv and i I can't help talking about what's going on in culture and the the shootings and stuff and this Mm -hmm. i don't know we're just in a can i can we pause here on the springer and can i just ask you like what do you think is happening
1: oh with everything with the shootings and everything
0: everything like what is this what is the problem
1: Uh, Like I said earlier, I think it's just nihilism. I think a lot of people don't know how to find meaning in their lives. And a lot of people who believe that life is so inherently meaningless that not only do they want to, you know, off themselves, but they want to take other people with them and to show everyone else how, you know, meaningless life supposedly is in their view. And I think it just, it all kind of, you know, reverts to, People just feeling you know, powerless. They're, they don't feel like they can really uh, affect change or, or do something that really provides true meaning to their lives. And so they just act in these violent ways, very destructive, because it's easy to destroy. It's hard to create a lot of things, mm-hmm. but it's easy to destroy. And I think a lot of people just give in to that and, and think that's going to provide some, some amounts of meaning when it doesn't.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And it's funny because we didn't talk about this beforehand, but that's where my head was at today. Just about the conversation that is never had, because whenever something awful like this happens, the media publicizes, it goes crazy. The incentive is there for another desperate, you know, um, person who's stewing in resentment to do something similar and get attention for it. And, the politicians, the media, um, the celebrities all start speaking about things that don't have anything to do with the root causes.
2: <laughs>
0: they never, ever want to have that conversation. Yeah. It's never it's never about, nih- let's talk about nihilism. Let's talk about culture and, and the way things have changed in the past 100 years. That's let's harder. Talk-
1: it's harder and scarier because it's easy to go after the symptoms and say something like, "Oh, we're gonna get a bear and gone, so they'll they'll fix the problem." But the problem is a lot deeper than that, and, and it's darker. Like, how do you fight against this rising nihilism in culture? That's a lot harder. It's a lot scarier to to think that there are a growing number of people who want to kill other people.
0: And you can't legislate that, and mm-hmm. we don't need politicians for that.
1: And I would argue a lot culture. of that, a lot of their policies have contributed to it. Like we were saying earlier with the. Know great, you know, society program aspects of that that contribute to breakdowns of family. Yeah, and that's the frustrating too when a lot of politicians don't acknowledge how a lot of their policies you know affected that, you know. So they won't talk about how you know what I just mentioned affected blacks, but they, they'll blame what's going on in the quote unquote black community on white supremacy and systemic racism,
0: and they further disempower black people and make them feel like permanent victims who can't do anything for themselves who are being mm-hmm. taken advantage of by this boogeyman
1: yeah and then the rage kind of like what the guy was saying in the article that's part of a lot of anger and rage though because i mean if you're being told that you live in a society that is structured in a way to benefit people who don't look like you that are exploiting you constantly well what ways are you going to act out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you're if you're told that the system is broken you can't affect it then you're going to get A lot of people were going to result to violence.
0: I had um, someone online today, a friend suggested, I thought it was great. I, I was talking about some of this stuff and he said that everyone should reread Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And he's rereading it with his kids right now and said the, the monologues from the monster are really revealing. If you want to understand what motivates someone to want to take life or as many lives as possible, or their own life. And did you see me post about this? No, I didn't. There's two quotes I wanted to read. One, I think this gets to the nihilism part, or the hatred, the resentment at being that Jordan Peterson talks about. This is a quote from the monster in, in Frankenstein. Cursed, cursed creator, why did I live? Why in that instant did I not extinguish the spark of existence which you had so wantonly bestowed? And then this is another quote. I have love in me the likes of which you can scarcely imagine and rage the likes of which you would not believe if I cannot satisfy the one I will indulge the other. The rage part. Yeah. That's what I think it is.
2: Yeah.
0: I think I think these I don't know so much of this I know it seems unrelated we should get back on topic but the trash the trash tv and all of it it's just like I can't help but see things in terms of the decay of culture.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: When people ask me what this show is about out in the offline world, it's, I, it's not a political show. I mean, we will occasionally talk about politicians on the but we're not a, I, I would call us a political show. It's more about culture. And I can't help, but see all of this stuff as interconnected, just like
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: where we're at today. And the crassness. You you said we should call this the springification of everything. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yeah, and, and I, I think that, you know, you and I growing up in you know nineties and eighties, nineties today, we've been raised in a culture with a lot of entertainment that has made fun of, you know, quote-unquote traditional values or family values and portrayed that as being antiquated, portrayed it as being stupid and wrong and goofy and even racist. And I, you know, bought into that to a degree. But now as, you know, we see society really kind of unraveling in certain aspects, we're kind of seeing that, you know, there was – Truth in those claiming that the erosion of those values was going to result in the things that we're seeing. So, unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, like me, unfortunately, had to see, you know, live in an environment like what we're living in now, seeing these seeds that have grown into these these ugly, hideous flowers to realize, oh, there was actually truth in the people who were being made fun of, even though sometimes maybe they're sensationalistic or they went too far in some of their claims. But there still was a lot of truth in what they were saying and there was an attempt to to ridicule these people and to make sure that a lot of young people didn't really listen to what they were saying and really understand it because there was subversion happening to the culture at the time and, and there still is an attempt and it's a lot more obvious and in their face. And I think a lot of people are waking up to that now.
0: Yeah, it is more obvious and in your face. And if it weren't, people like me would probably still be asleep. Mm. I would still be buying... The whole line about what social justice ideology claimed to be about. If it hadn't gotten, if it didn't get as crazy as it did, I would not have woken up. I know a lot of people who woke up after me, they had a different, um, what James Lindsay calls woke breaking point or cultural breaking point. Or they had a different thing that kind of, for some people, it was uh, the COVID response. It was the way our culture treated COVID in the past two years and treated people who chose not to get a shot or <laughs> wear a mask right. and um,
1: well, and that's the thing like I remember in the 90s and in the 2000s seeing all these shows making fun of you know right-wing militias you know I, I remember um, what's his name Fahrenheit 911 guy Michael um, Moore Michael Moore had some HBO show where he was like you know uh, interviewing militia members and you know, making sure he shows the Confederate flag and, you know, saying how racist they were and, and, you know, saying that all these conspiracies about the government were like crazy and stuff, like to think that the government become authoritarian. That's, that's crazy. And now living through it, when you see these things that are true, you're like, Holy crap, there was truth and a lot of truth in what people were saying back then, but all these people were being made fun of and we called a racist and they still are.
0: Yeah. I think that if there's a silver lining to all this, though, is that as it gets worse and decays mm-hmm. more and more, which is awful, mm-hmm. but as that happens, more people wake up all the time. Yeah. And it's it's just a question of how bad it has to get before.
1: That too. And even like when I started off the show talking about the, you know, democratization of media, there are good aspects to it. Obviously, I mean, you and I and, you know, so many people listening to us right now, people who have connected, you know, through the internet that have found people, like-minded people, people who are interested in covering the truth and trying to foster a deeper understanding of the culture that we live in and how that's shaped us. That's awesome, and that's great that, that so many people have been brought together. I mean, how many people would know about you know the going-ons in the uh, world economic Forum and all these other things if not for so many independent journalists and, and content producers producing things that actually have substance in it? And that there are there is a, a giant base of people who do want to listen to that, that do value that. It's not just, you know, dumb people who are running rampant everywhere on online and buying into a lot of dumb, vapid things, but there are a lot of, you know, intelligent people who are seeking to improve themselves in the, the yeah. community that they live in.
0: I'm just smiling because I mean, technically we didn't meet on the internet, but we did meet because of the internet. Yes. And yeah, I, I, you're right. There's been so many positive things that have come out of this culture crashing. (laughs) 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 I'll just say this in the matrix movies. I don't want to be that guy that goes back in the matrix and has the fake (laughs) burger and has his memory wiped. I want to be awake, even if that means I have to eat gruel. So, Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Um couple things in the chat and then you tell me if you want to pick this back up or just wrap it up i do have to do another show tonight i did promise that i would be on the midweek hump with shagsworth so i'm supposed to go there next let's see um two sisters and some yarn hello lady she gives a super chat and says, Why is all of this happening? Satan, Prince of the Power of the Air. Now also let's dish 90-day fiance <laughs> on nuanced. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I happen to have a 90-day fiance article queued up that's related to the topic. Do you did you find oh. this one?
1: No. Bring okay. it up. Okay.
0: Yeah. This is a interesting one. Now, I don't watch 90 Day Fiancé, do you?
1: No, I've only saw like a portion of it when I was at a friend's house. I'm like, this is ridiculous.
0: Uh, I think, here we go. Let me see if I can find it. Um,
1: it showed longer, a few years, is not it?
0: Well, I've never, I don't know. I've never watched it. I've watched some of the ones... Uh, there's one called Married at First Sight, which is, (laughs) it's not about blind people. Um, It's about people who are, (laughs) people who are, they date, they go go through a round of speed dating in these pods where they can't see each other. And the premise of the show is, is it possible to fall in love with someone without knowing what they look like? And then they have a certain period of time to see if they find someone through the speed dating where they can't see each other to marry. And then they have to commit to marry this person without having ever seen them and then you follow them on their honeymoon <laughs> <laughs> it is trashy and <laughs> you see which ones make it <laughs>
1: do, you, do, do you remember uh there was a show i think it's like celebrity blind date and there was an episode that they had gary coleman on it and like they're they matched him up to like some tall woman who had no idea who she was going on a date with, and so like they're interviewing both him and her before the date, and you know they interviewed him. He's like, "Well, I'm I'm just really lonely. I'm hoping to find someone, you know, fall in love and marry." And then they interview her. She goes, "Um, yeah, I hope uh, the guy I'm meeting is tall. I hope he's handsome." Oh my <laughs> <gosh>. <laughs> they went on the date. It was so sad. <laughs> like.
0: Oh no. Yeah. Uh Coleman. Carrie coleman okay this is an article this is just for you two scissors and some yarn but actually it's related to the topic i found this so it's an article from daily soap dish it says 90 day fiance fans are disappointed by trashy jerry springer direction (laughs) that the tlc is taking the franchise i just laughed at this because i was thinking has it not always been trashy is it just now becoming trashy (laughs) okay Let's see what the hot goss is. That's what the kids say. The hot goss. I'm no kidding. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 90 day fiance. Happily ever after spoilers. Find that as the show resorts to fisticuffs among the pot house, tackling Pula family. Mem- what is this language? I don't watch the show Pula family members and Angela Dean being Angela fans are growing more and more restless with the previously beloved franchise. Yes, drama is always a good thing and is what viewers glued to their screens for two hours each Sunday. But the, but the show has strayed so far from its original format that loyal fans are starting to turn off their television in droves, guys. <laughs> and then 90 Day Fiance, Happily Ever After spoilers. Fans disappointed in Jerry Springer direction <laughs> the show is headed. Next week, we will see Angela flash her newly engineered breasts in anger during the tell-all as she continues to abuse her husband and anyone else who dare challenge her or her big, loud opinion. Previews for the reunion episode also show that Charlie Pothast will be on hand to challenge Andre Castro. Are these real names, Castrovert? (laughs) (laughs) These sound like soap opera names. Uh, to another duel a duel and no one will be surprised if the two continue what they started at chuck's barbecue tammy and mama asalu asalu also also have fight face (laughs) on as tammy as usual goes after everyone in the cast next please this whole season has drawn ire from fans for its overplayed cast seemingly fake storylines and the simple fact that abuser angela still has a platform Could this possibly be the beginning of the end for TLC's juggernaut reality franchise? Many are threatening so on Twitter. And then we have some trashy tweets. I may be breaking up with 90 Day Fiance. I didn't sign up to watch a Jerry Springer type show. I don't want to see Angela's breast ever. (laughs) What is this crap? What do you watch? (laughs) Two Sisters and some Yarn. (laughs) uh 90 day fiance this show was something to watch last year during lockdown when there were no sports on tv i've continued watching it and now it's as exciting as being stuck in traffic it feels like the jerry springer show aspiring actors who can't act 90 day fiance dear tlc some friendly advice the teaser is supposed to make you want to see next week's show okay (laughs) it's basically people complaining that it's gotten too trashy uh however tlc isn't likely quivering in their shoes 90 day fiance is still their highest rated series and is the most watched non-news sports show on cable tv with the summer season drawing an average of over 2.5 million viewers each week 3 million viewers per week is the average when the show airs in fall spring and winter the show does air year-round as one season ends, another starts with spinoffs often overlapping each other like pillow talk, Darcy and Stacy and coming to the cable network for the first time, the single life. Uh, okay. So anyway, that's it. I'm going to stop sharing that now. I've never watched that show. It sounds like it's getting really trashy.
1: <laughs> Should Sound I check bad. it out? Do a, do a poll. Then you will get her.
0: Uh Two Scissors Love. and Simiard says... Oh, it's bad, so bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's where all the trash went, I guess. <laughs> reality TV. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: We'll cover it. We'll cover that. How about when we do a reality TV show uh, episode, we'll watch some episodes and then we'll talk about it on that.
0: Okay, I have to plug a, a reality show that I think is actually good or better than most. I've mentioned it before. But I really like Love on the Spectrum. It's a show about autistic people dating and trying to find love. And it's not, at least it, it, it does not appear to be scripted or trashy in that way. Like all, all what we know as air quotes reality TV. It's actually a docu-series. Like they actually follow these people. Some of them are so lovely. There's a guy in the first season called Michael who's just, he's just, so he just says whatever he's thinking. He has no filter and he's honest to a fault. And I, I, I just, I really enjoyed that show. It's not like, it's not like Jerry Springer at all.
1: Is that the only reality TV show you watch?
0: No, I told you I watched a season or two of married at first sight.
2: Right.
0: And that's pretty trashy. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. guess it's not on 90 day fiance, fiance <laughs> trash level, mm-hmm. but it was pretty crappy. What I liked about watching it was it was a fascinating study of personality types. I thought, like, there was one uh, person on the first season who was seemed to be a raging alcoholic, who was wildly inappropriate with different men, um, who would engage in outright deceit. Not just of the audience, but of herself. It was weird. It was one of those things where you're trying to figure out: Does she believe her own lies? I don't understand. It's almost like a window into personality disorders. So that one, yeah, I don't. That guilty admission. I watched. I watched a season, maybe two of that. I can't remember. <laughs> what? What do? You, what reality TV do you watch?
1: Um, I don't know if I watch anyone. Apparently, I mean, a long time ago, I used to watch one, I think it's called Work of Art, which uh, was on, I forget, one of those cable channels, it was produced by Sarah Jessica Parker, I think, and, was, like, following artists. and like, it was like falling artist, and like, is a competition, one of those reality competition shows where they all had like 48 hours to create a, a work of art, and then they bring in like some um, uh, art expert to come in and judge the art, and I thought it was interesting because it, it still involved people like making things because,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, it, it's, it's weird to me. Like the cooking shows are weird to me because they're very popular and people like them, but you can't really have that much opinion of what they're making because you're not really tasting it. And so your investment going to be solely due to the personality of the yeah. people on the show. Where how it looks one, you can get invested because of their personality, in addition to their skill levels that people really like. So,
0: well, that's telling that you watch a com- a competition when it actually involves some type of artistic merit. That is exactly what I would expect of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you're watching one of these housewife shows or whatever, you know. Yeah, it's actually something with talent. I watched one of those, the British Bake Bake Off, mm-hmm. and you're right, you can't taste it, but it all—it's about the personalities of the people competing, and also the way the desserts look, and mm-hmm. and you get to learn what all kinds of des- fancy desserts are that you've never heard of, like caged tart. What's a <laughs> caged tart. <laughs> then there's a there's a really funny show called Nailed It. Have you have you heard of this?
1: No, never heard of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's where they bring on terrible average bakers like myself you could be on it i'm sure um and then they try they give you a competition just like they do on the act the fancy baking shows Uh, something that you obviously can't do (laughs) then you you have a time limit and it's just these average people running around trying to make these baking masterpieces and it's always terrible and there's one guy I think it was on the episode might have been the first episode it was the one I watched there's this this, uh, black gay guy who every time he would present his sloppy horrible cake with deformed characters and stuff like (laughs) he had to make a Moby Dick cake and it didn't look (laughs) like a whale the captain didn't look like a person, and he put grapes on it, and then he's like nailed it. He would always say, nailed it. <laughs> <It's just> "Terrible." <laughs> you would probably like that one. It's it's ridiculous. Sounds um, like. It, yeah. I mean, it's just silly. Fine. It's like okay. There's nothing. I wouldn't call it trashy. It's just silly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Mr. I- Pres.
1: Before we go, I forgot to send you the pictures of the tattoos. Uh, would you mind looking up on Google real quick?
0: I don't mind. I forgot yeah. about this game.
1: Yeah, never forget. Uh, hey,
0: you guys, this is a game we're gonna do once in a while. What's it called? It has a theme song. Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> I forget what we're doing. It's basically like pretty. There's a tattoo for pretty much anything out there.
0: There's a there's a tattoo for that Something
1: like that so oh. you type in jerry springer tattoo
0: no uh, yeah this is awful
1: there's one see i just typed in one
0: okay there's a,
1: there's a, yeah, it looks like there's a pictures of a couple gross of <laughs> <laughs>
0: i'm gonna just share my screen i hope this isn't bad to do Oh can you guys see this? Oh, very
1: disturbed, yes. <laughs> Still trying to process what you're saying.
0: Can you um, see it? Uh, no. nothing yet.
1: There we go, it's starting to come up.
0: You see that on the right? Yep. Uh look at I'm that. Not gonna, I'm not gonna click on that one. That one's awful.
1: <laughs> Disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> uh th-
0: this is Jerry Springer on someone's bum.
1: Oh yeah. Look at the one where he's taking off his head. I- I've been trying to understand what's uh, saying.
0: It's Jerry Springer taking off his own head. That's gross. I'm taking that off screen. I don't know what that is.
1: And then uh, type in a Maury Pulvich tattoo.
0: Why? Should I
1: do it. Do <laughs> who, who,
0: I think this should be some kind of personality test like if you have a tattoo of Maury Povich like straight to jail
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, oh no okay
1: this uh, probably the first one that comes up is actually kind of well done
0: I've actually seen one of these before. I think you showed uh-huh. me one of these. This first one here on the right. You are the father. <laughs> Straight to a mental institution. <laughs> the do not pass go, red flag. Can't buy a weapon if you have this tattoo. <laughs> it's
1: coming up. It hasn't come up here on screen. Did sure?
0: Oh, it's not sharing. No. Oh. That whole time, I thought we were laughing at it together. <laughs> <laughs> you see it on the right?
1: <laughs> Do you think this person was on the Mori show and then they were not the father and they started to get a tattoo to celebrate?
0: I don't know. Or maybe it's a hipster who thinks it's ironic. Yeah, that's probably more likely. A permanent, ironic decision.
1: That one on the uh, left, the first one, that one's actually kind of well done.
0: That one says, you are the father. Yeah.
1: Or you blank the father.
0: You blank the father. What is so, this so, one? What? I don't what? know. You Who's are the, baby not the father? father. It's like a black another...
1: baby in the background, but this clearly this person's white.
0: You see this one? <laughs> <laughs> is that like on a, a leg? <laughs> 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 no. Nightmare. <laughs> Here's a Judge Judy one.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I no. have I have one one more. If you type in uh Joy Behar, you know that woman from the view?
0: No. Okay. Can you hear my housemate talking to Tiger in the background? Not really. Okay. Um Okay, last one. This is for the Joy Behar fans. Yeah, I know that there are a lot of you watching. (laughs) What do you think of this? Is it up there? There it is. There we go. Live joyfully, it says, with a picture (laughs) of Joy Behar.
1: Did she paste it the this? Like, who would volunteer to get that?
0: I don't know. Oh, <laughs> this is like that. We already did this in a previous episode, so we're not going to bring it up now. But that guy, the borderline personality disorder guy from Siren Live, who says he has borderline, uh, Pete Davidson. Yeah, Pete Davidson has a really awful Hillary Clinton tattoo. Right. Which again, it makes me question your judgment as a human being, and maybe that should be a test of whether or not you get to own a gun. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> just the Hillary Clinton tattoo <laughs>
0: Straight to s- mental hospital. I don't know. Straight somewhere. No,
1: maybe he just wants to remain alive, so he's marking his body and it'll be like a Passover thing, but Hillary Clinton will pass over killing him.
0: Oh nice. Yeah. Or he's <laughs> like, look, I've got the tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> don't That'd disappear me. Feature.
1: What if that was like a dystopia in the future? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone had to yeah. get a Hillary Clinton tattoo.
0: The mark of the what?
1: Okay. <laughs> the Hillary beast. <laughs> Hillary beast. <laughs> <laughs> your tattoo. Oh
0: my goodness. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to go, you guys. Yeah. I'm going to be on the midweek hump and just a few minutes, I think. Um, that's Shagsworth. And I'll tweet about it so you can find it if you want to come hang out. I don't know what we're talking about over there. They do a late night show. So uh i'm gonna have a little bit more red bull i apologize uh thank you for hanging out with us my name is carrie smith this is
1: mystery chris
0: mystery chris reporting from an undisclosed location on his phone his avatar looks like a donut because he's on his phone and (laughs) uh we appreciate you hanging out for our night full of technical difficulties if you like the show and want to subscribe you can do so on youtube or odyssey or rumble Um, If you want to support the show financially, you can do so on Patreon or Subscribestar or Locals. And if you want to join the book club, we are doing a book this month. Finally, we're bringing back book club. And you can find out more info on Facebook in the book club group. And thank you guys. Have a good night. Don't get any bad tattoos. (laughs) We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.